Today on CityCast Salt Lake. We're talking about Salt Lake's favorite brag, the 2002 Winter Olympics. It's amazing how much about our city today is the result of the Olympics being held here. It's also amazing how well our collective memory of O2 includes more of the grand and less of the scandal. At the time, Salt Lake was able to rehash the absurdity of each year through the annual tradition of Saturday's Voyeur, a satirical play that gave Utahns the space to laugh and bemoan our political circus. And as we celebrate the 20th anniversary of the 2002 Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City, I think it's important to remember that it was perhaps our greatest political circus to date. Today, I am joined by Nancy Borgenicht and Alan Nevins, the former writers and showrunners of Saturday's Voyeur, and they're taking us on a satirical, musical journey of the Olympics we've already had. It's Wednesday, February 16th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Nancy and Alan, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Great to be here. Thanks, Ali. I'm excited to chat with you and remember the O2 Olympics together with you. My first question is, can you tell me about Saturday's voyeur? Why do you think that satire is such an important piece of the political conversation in Utah? There's two kinds of laughs. There's surprise and uh, shock. <laughs> you know, and so uh, I think satire uses both of those, in a, at, you know, at its best. I mean, the surprise is, oh, well, how did they make that connection or... What an odd way to go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which we had to do every year because we were making up a story that had to have all the various uh, news elements of the year. <laughs> so we went all over the barnyard on that. <laughs> and then shock, of course, is important because, well, you're saying, or your characters in this case, are saying what the audience is thinking but doesn't dare say. <laughs> so you laugh out of sort of embarrassment and relief. What it was for the community was it was about us. They thought the actors made it up. But it was, it was about us. When is there something that's just about us? Counting the cash. So I want to explore with you some of the highlights and the lowlights of the 2002 Olympics. And I think a good place to start is probably the corruption. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you agree? I think the world was kind of pleased to find out that Mormons weren't all goody two-shoes. <laughs> Say more about that. What went well, down? Well, I don't know. You know, the whole Olympic movement in Salt Lake was driven by a need for a certain kind of acceptance. And, uh, mm. and I think the world up until that point, and they recognized it, were afraid of coming to Salt Lake because of Mormons, frankly. You know, they, oh, they have 
multiple wives, they have horns, they have whatever, you know. So there was this chip on their shoulder that uh, they wanted to get rid of because it was totally, uh, you know, untrue. And the liquor laws and everything, you know. And this was a chance, an opportunity, a golden opportunity, they thought. To but they'd been trying for many, 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 yeah. many, many, many years, since 1932. And I think there was a naivete about what you had to do to get it. Oh, my God, I have to give you a visa, put your kid in college, and give you 20000 bucks in a suitcase? They liked our logo. In Monte Carlo, the IOC was so delighted they all plotted with. <laughs> you know, that's how the song went. <laughs> so, how did it all come to a head? It came to a head in 1999. Chris Van Oker, who worked for ABC News, local ABC News, uh, was slipped a letter by Tom Welch's secretary about money exchanges and visas and going on and the corruption of it, and it hit the news. Wait, who was Tom Welch? Tom Welch headed the Olympics first. Okay. And he was in charge before Mitt uh, through the whole thing. Okay. And he resigned in 1997 because he was was caught or exposed or accused in some spousal abuse case. And he resigned, but... And was also caught in a strip club. Here's 20000 for a Park City condo. NBA tickets right on the third row. Here's 50000 in this big envelope. So to your point, Alan, this is not what people were expecting when they were heading out to Utah for the Olympics. This is not goody two-shoes behavior. No, no, no. no. It's a Faustian bargain. There's no way around it. You know, the IOC made four billion dollars <laughs> this money's coming from somewhere it was and- the biggest scandal in olympic history and supposedly cha- they changed their ethics about it ah! we'll see <laughs> but you know yeah yeah it's yeah. that kind of deal it's that kind of deal and so that was an opportunity to bring in the mormon boy the Mormon golden boy. Right. Before we get there, how did you, because we're going to get there, how was the story of this scandal, of this corruption told in Saturday's Voyeur? There were 23 songs. Okay. <laughs> the whole 1999 voodoo, zoodoo follies was about it. You can you can talk about it, but let me just say one thing. Before 1999, in 1997, the Voyeur show was the road to the games. Gotta have power. Gonna have all of the power. I want power, 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 power. Because the preparation for the onslaught of millions of people was road construction or facilities was, so it, the town was upside down. You could not drive anywhere. So the 1997 version, which we called Jordan River Dance. <laughs> Very good. Because River Dance was huge. Yeah, Michael Flatley. The entire thing was based on the road turmoil and ri- and songs from Riverdance about I'm uh, I'm driving to Midvale I'm driving down Bangadere how am I going to get home? <laughs> the Olympics were used as 
an excuse to push through a lot of infrastructure mm-hmm. and all kinds of things that normally would not have happened. Mm-hmm. And it was to, you know, make it comfortable for this big mm-hmm. onslaught of people. But the, And the conceit was, and the future will be better. Duh. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, how's well, we're it, how's in that it, feeling? So is it better? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still can't drive around downtown, so <laughs> we're still in it. I am driving down Bangor, wanting you. I am hoping the wetlands stay wet. <laughs> I can't. Nice I segue, can't. Nance. I, I can't. I'm in Sandy, and I can't get home again. It's the same thing. <laughs> then we, the golden boy arrives on the scene. And we're talking about Mitt Romney, of course. Overnight, it was just announced that he was coming in to take over. And people were, you mean, we're not going to look? We're not going to do a national search? We're not going to, boom. So, yeah, he was, he, was, he was just brought in, the savior. And he cleaned house and, and success. Mm-hmm. How did you tell the story of Mitt in Saturday's Boyer? Well, you have to hear the song Les Jus Sans Fait. <laughs> a French Mitt Romney song before the Pierre Delecto scandal? Enchanté, I'll retourner. Happy Valley, my dear Valley, Les Jus Sans Fait. All the characters were little kids at the time. My, little Mikey Levitt, little Willard Mitt Romney, little Didi Corradini, little Vicky Varela, little Jan Graham. And then there was an evil guy, Chubsy, who, you know, sold their souls to. So that was the metaphor. And oh, so Chubsy was the IOC. Chubsy was the IOC. And the band of Gorgons were the band of... The IOC. The IOC and the Salt Lake Olympic Committee. And so it was all about selling your soul. And Mitt sings a song in it, Les Jus en Fait, where he says, I'm going to go to BYU and then I'm going to do my mission. And then I'm going to come back and go to Stanford. Go to Stanford, go to Harvard Law School. And he sings it. And then I'm going to, and then I know I'll be back. I'm sure I will. To BYU, Stanford, Harvard Law. I'll stand astride Le Monde. A venture capitalist will be born. That's how we used it. But there was a finale song. It was based on what's what's the song? We didn't light the fire. Oh yeah! It was we we didn't start the mire, <laughs> and it went back in history to how corrupt the Olympics had been from almost day one. And it was corrupt then. Mm. <laughs> and Willard Mitt, it ends with Willard, Willard's our hero. Mitt's mm-hmm. our hero. Standing on the mountaintop. He will save the day. We didn't start the fire. No, we didn't light it. Didn't try to fight it. So how did it all end? Like the Olympic opening ceremony arrives. Any more shenanigans after that? The Olympics... I think it ended positively, you know. I mean, everything that uh, they hoped to accomplish was accomplished. Uh, 
we went on the world stage. And, and now, 20 years later, you see what it has wrought. You know? Right. The air is terrible. You can't get, you can't ski. <laughs> yeah. You know, houses are off the charts. Yeah. Traffic is terrible. This beautiful valley has been consumed. Yeah. I was going to talk about what the Olympics did for art in Utah, which was basically nothing. <laughs> you know, there's all this talk, you know, oh, we're going to make the artistic community so happy. Yeah. And, oh, and you're all going to be involved in the opening ceremonies. And no. What they wanted, you know, professional theaters to do was go to the airport and perform skits, you know, like in closets for people getting off the plane. Right. You know, stuff like that. And yeah. It was like, oh, they wanted a flash mob. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, the push the local part is a big lie. Yeah, it's a total lie. Say more about that. Well, it just is a lie that, that it's going to, you know, benefit stores and shops and art and bullshit. Yeah, maybe if you sold pins on the ah, corner pins. of State Street. And, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't. Why doesn't it? Because that's not why people are here. You know, they're here to party, to go to all the different uh, countries' pavilions. And right, drink, the sanctioned events, right, not to drink take in local kinds of beer. From, it's not uh, for the people. It's hugely expensive. So it's kind of for the rich and... And then we get to watch it on TV. Last question for you both. Nancy, you first. Do you want the Olympics to come back to Salt Lake? No. <laughs> I expected that, but I had to ask. <laughs> Do you, Al? Yes. Oh. <laughs> there you have House it. House divided. Because as a satirist, I want to see how they react when they find that there's no snow here. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That was really, that's a good, yeah, will they believe finally in uh, climate change? I yep. mean, if it does come back here, I feel like you do need to do a revival. It'll be a summer Olympics, Al. It'll be a warm oh, winter a summer Olympics. Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you both for your time. This has been so fun. Such oh, a delight. it's been fun. Thank you, guys. Good luck to you. This is This is a great thing you're doing. Yeah, our hat's off to you. If they... Do get the bid for 2030. We're going to be back here in this kitchen talking well, more about it. And I'm going to ask you to write some. Maybe we, we could write a song write. together. Well, let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. I love it. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Thank you all. You probably know this, but Salt Lake was selected to bid for the 2030 Winter Olympics. And this week, there was a very high-level meeting between Park City and Salt Lake officials to discuss. Here's my question. Do you want the Olympics back in Salt Lake? Yes? No? We want to hear from you, and we might play your voicemail on tomorrow's show. 801-203-0137. That's our show today on CityCast Salt Lake. I don't say it enough, but thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with a part two on Salt Lake's bid for 2030. Bye. It's okay that I allay, cause I'll come back another day. Enchanté, I'll retourner. Happy Valley, my dear Valley, les jeux sont faits. Adieu. 
Au revoir. Use the force, Mike. He's looking at you, kid.